I'm applying a lot of your business strategies to my creative processes. Now that I don't have to prove anything through how I do the work. So where I say, this is how I start making the logo. Then I do this phase that takes about this long. And I kind of stick to those things because they help me be creative and they don't box me in anymore. This is Show Your Business Who's Boss. Listen in on behind the scenes, unfiltered conversations with my favorite business owner friends who take charge and make their businesses work for them. Don't just be your own boss, show your business who's boss. I'm Pia Silva. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year. Welcome to the third and final installment, for now, of my interview with my hubby and business partner, Steve Wasterval. Today, we're going to focus on our company, Worst of All Design, and talk about how we evolved from trying to build a classic agency model business to the super badass intensive model that we have today, one that makes us a lot of money in these short intensive projects and gives us the freedom that we crave to spend time doing all the other things that we love to do. Obviously, I am talking about this all the time, but Steve is here today to share his perspective on the journey as the creative half of our duo. He's going to share the times that he was resistant to the changes that I was trying to implement, which I'm sure any creative listening will be able to relate to, and how and why he evolved and shifted to finally embrace this model and how he really sees it as the key to being able to be the free creative artist that he wants to be. So buckle up. Here we go. Welcome back to the show, Steve. Thank you. So... (laughs) Welcome to part three of this epic Steve interview. So first, (laughs) we talked about our origin stories. We talked about our different personalities and we talked about your art business. But it's time to get into the meat of what I think most people want to hear about, which is our company. Yeah, the the thing that supports all of our endeavors and is allowing us to live our dreams and live our... Our our wildest dreams. I should say, that's an idea of a business. Well, so there's actually a great parallel with the marriage conversation that we had so long ago where you were like, I don't want to get married because then everything will be terrible. And I was like, why would it be terrible? It can be whatever we want it to be, Steve. And you were like, oh, Huh, I guess it could be. All right. <laughs> like I'd never thought um, of it. Like I'd never thought of it. And I think that the business was the same way. I saw it as from the very beginning, we were using it as a way to get a lot of things that we wanted in life. It wasn't so much that we wanted to start a business. I didn't even really think we were starting a business when we did. I mean, you were freelancing doing freelance design and I was just helping you. I was just kind of watching you try to do all the parts that you didn't know how to do. I didn't know how to do them either, but they seemed more in my wheelhouse. Let's put it that way. You were freelancing because you liked to do design and then you ended up having to do all these other pieces. Yep, that's what happens. If I want to be someone who does lots of design and only design, I have to drum up quite a bit, bit of clients or business because otherwise I have to just be doing the work all the time because it, I'm not getting paid very much and I don't have very many clients, so I'm just working for them all the time. And there's no there's no plan to grow or anything. You just expect that you'll get more 
people will recognize you're good and you'll get more clients. It'll just happen. It'll just grow on its own. So. I don't even think you were thinking that. I think you were just going from job to job. You did that wine label thing for Jacques. Remember, mm-hmm. yep. I think he was paying you 30 bucks an hour and we were excited about that. that. 30 good. bucks an hour was a lot of money. And we were on our trip in the, in the farm in the British Virgin Islands trying to figure out what we were going to do next. And it was like, look, if you're getting paid 30 bucks an hour to go into this guy's quote office, right? It was just a room in his apartment. Uh. And we said, well, can't we get 30 bucks an hour just getting other clients and work from home instead? Like, I feel like we could do that. I think that's how it started. Yeah. And the phrase building your own pyramid at least stuck with me in all those books that we were reading of like, you, you work so everyone works so much, right? Every American, everyone we know, whether they have a, a labor job or some, some white collar job, they're working really hard. Why couldn't we be working for ourselves? It's like, why would I work so hard, do all this, this creative work and all this stuff? And the same for you and for someone else. I mean, you still do it because your skill set seems to be like helping other people with all these things they don't know to do to, to monetize. Yeah. I mean, I don't really see a difference in the clients we got and you doing the wine labels, except that at first, except that you were going into his office versus us doing it at home. You know, at first, that's what we were getting. We were just getting hourly jobs on Craigslist. I liked it a million times more because it was like we were our own thing. So you finding a job for me and me doing it was infinitely more fulfilling and felt like more of a long term sort of growth plan than me showing up for a few hours and getting paid for it. It was like we were like building something now, right? I think it was like, oh, we could keep doing this. If we could keep getting more work, then we would get employees and then we would grow into a business. Like we started to see that route. I remember it taking a while to even get there. I remember in the beginning us just trying to bring cash in. It was just like, can we just live off of this? Me and people like me would just work hourly or work for companies and maybe never even occur to us to like go on our own. And if we did, at best, we would just become freelancers, right? Where we would just go to and do gigs at companies. But for a graphic designer or you know a copywriter to like just go off on their own and become their own business, they need to see some way of growing beyond the way of thinking of just like working for an hour and getting paid. And that's what I'm saying you had. You had this vision of a business as a, as a thing that can do many things for you, that can work a lot of different ways, instead of what I think a lot of creatives, I'm assuming, like me, think or don't think, which is just like, oh, I work and get paid for that time and the end, you know? I think you're giving me a lot of credit because that's how I was seeing it the first year or two of our business, too. We were just trying to get work and we were charging hourly. Until you stop charging hourly, that's what you're doing because yeah. you're just looking for people to charge to pay you and for That's your a big time. hump now that you say it like that. Like how could I understand there's value, but like how do I get someone else to pay for value instead of time? It's it's a it's a hard thing. At first I didn't even know that was a thing. I slowly learned over the first couple of years. I think probably it's hard to remember. I think there were certain kinds of clients who they needed a flat rate. They weren't going to just say, yeah, I'll just pay you for as long as it takes. And so we would just estimate it based on the hours. And then inevitably it would take much longer and we would never get paid enough for it. I just remember doing like 
$2,000 websites with the brand and everything. It was just so much work. and Like working on those forever, yeah. And working for on them forever and them never finishing. <laughs> yeah. We looked at our time as expendable. Like our time was free. It was like, okay, spend a couple extra hours. It doesn't matter. Like we were just looking at this completely backwards. You're right. When you have all the time in the world, you use it up like that. You don't treat it it isn't our time wasn't valuable back then that's true <laughs> like like eight hours of our time wasn't going to produce any money so we were willing to spend those eight hours doing anything we could find whereas to now to not work for eight hours you'd be we'd be losing money and the value of your time is not always just the time that you could be getting paid it's also the value you can be creating in your business so for us our time it was valuable back then because those eight hours, right? An extra eight hours we might spend working on that website that we really shouldn't have or uh, weren't getting paid for. We could have spent that eight hours learning more about business to make our, to understand this concept. Our time was valuable. We Your weren't. time is always valuable. I wasn't valuing it. We weren't valuing the time, putting yes. a high value on it, but that doesn't mean it couldn't have been valuable or used like you're saying. It doesn't matter if you're just starting out, your time is always your most valuable resource, especially when you're first starting out and you don't know what to use that time for in the most valuable way. That's really hard, right? When you don't know what to do with that time, that's hard work because that's like some of the highest value kind of thinking that you can do in a business, which is starting to learn about something that there's infinite amounts of information to learn about. It is important for anyone who's in that same stage that we were in to, to try to value their time because your time doesn't just become valuable. It becomes as valuable as you put the work or uh, kind of attention into making it, right? So like how I'm saying I wasn't valuing our time back then, I would have continued to not value it. <laughs> well, so tell us more about how you were thinking about your time back then. I mean, you were resistant to me saying... My time was, to me, like... It's weird. I wouldn't say had no value because I was very protective of my time too, right? Wow. Like when, well, for example, you suggesting the idea of doing work faster, I'm like, no. So I wasn't like, yeah, I want to spend less time doing this. It was like, I thought I needed all of that time to do good work, for example. So I didn't put a dollar value on my time, but I did believe that it was like crucial to spend all this time to make good creative work. So you saw your, the value of your time in the opposite way. You felt like it was very important to spend a lot of time on your project. If I wasn't spending a, a bunch of hours on their thing, I wasn't giving them value. Like I, I did see the same way I was charging them, the value in the amount of hours I put in, not what happened in the, that time necessarily. Right, which meant that as we raised our prices, and we did raise them, it was only a year and a half into our business that we got into the office and hired the employees and then realized we had to get paid more. And so we raised those prices pretty dramatically. And I think the second we started charging much higher prices, that's when you said, well, now I got to double down on how much time I spend because these people it, are paying for it. felt like it. that. Yes. Mm -hmm. Gosh, I hadn't thought of it like that. And you can relate to this even now. Charging someone $30,000 for one hour of work is scary right? Like let's say you're a real expert and you can solve someone's problem just from talking to them with your method in an hour, but it's the value of what you're going to do with them is worth much more than even 30 grand. Like 
that's a hard thing to understand, to believe yourself it is worth that and to do it. I think we all have a natural inclination to believe that how much time you put into something is how hard you worked on it, is how how much effort and, and how good this thing is going to be. You don't want to hear something amazing or expensive took two seconds to make. Uh, you want to hear that they worked on it for a really long time and labored on it, I think. Well, you think that. I did think that. And now I think differently. But so that's how I know that you have to go through some sort of process to look at that differently. My experience, even today, even though now I value my time a lot and I believe that what we do has a high value, it's still nerve-wracking or I have an insecurity around charging the most I charge and then doing very little, even if that does solve the thing that I'm supposed to be doing, right? So someone pays me a ton of money and I go beep, boop, bop, and now it's, it's solved. That's, that's hard to feel good about and to explain to them. Yeah, that, that's how it feels for me. Well, and I completely understand that. And I, and I see that, but what's also interesting is that the relative amount of money and time that you're talking about is like a completely different galaxy than when we started. So when you say, I'm still uncomfortable about it. You're talking about when you're getting paid, you know, the equivalent of $2,000 an hour. You know, you're yeah, not talking say, about, you're not talking, it, it, do you see what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's stretched. It's relative, definitely. Where because, yeah. it's always relative to the, the dollar amount and the amount of time. So it used to be, you know, I'd work 50 hours for $300 and that felt right. Like I didn't think I was overworking. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think I was overworking. But today, you know, I would do whatever. I would do 40 hours for 30 grand. But if I did more, I'd feel like I was overworking. Like I would feel like, oh, I'm, I'm wasting money. Whereas previously, I could have never felt that way, no matter how much time I spent working for any amount of money. So that's how I know that it's a muscle that I've, or like a, like a point of view that's developed in me. Mm -hmm. And that grows. Like, I guess you could say like how valuable I see my own abilities and time like and that I actually see my own value not as so stuck with time anymore also right. right so now it's it's less about the time and more about what I deliver in my own head well even though we're gonna talk about the business today I do want to bring up your art quickly because I it's a more obvious example actually because sometimes you do a commission and you'll actually paint it in an hour and you did a commission recently where you painted it in an hour and it was gorgeous and I thought it was done and then you went in and had to put some finishing touches on it and you felt like you kind of ruined it. You like overworked it. It looked great, but I had barely started it and it, but it just looked done. I thought it, it was good. done. I thought it yep. was beautiful. In fact, when you said that, I thought the same thing and I thought, do I have the courage? <laughs> That's how I thought of it. Am I secure enough? Because I'm looking at it going, this looks great. Do I have the guts to make the call? Because I'm the one who decides if it's done. Do I have the guts to say, this is what you bought? <laughs> and give it to the person where I'm the only one who knows that like it it was a very quick painting compared to most of my paintings. So yeah, it's a great example where I got caught up in the time and thought it, I have to spend more time on this thing and I, and I messed it up the deliverable that the person wants, which is this scene to look really beautiful the way it looks. That's all they care about. They don't care how no, long. No, they want you to do you yep. in this painting. With a painting, it's different at least to me, where I can't imagine anybody caring how long it took. In fact, if it looked great and then you told them it was 20 minutes, they'd probably be impressed. Not like, oh, hmm, 
<laughs> I, well, I like this and, less now. <laughs> and this is where the, the joke comes in. How long did that painting take you? It took you 40 years. Because <laughs> yeah, we, the only reason you can paint that painting in an hour is because you've been doing this for 40 years. You know what? And that is amazing. I never thought of that quote. We think it's Picasso. I never thought of that as applying to business people, too. Like, yes. like if you can just say one thing to someone's prop business problem and they're like, oh, cool. Yeah, I'll try that. And it like helps like that took you your whole life or at least however long you've been working on business or your business, at least 20 years or 10 years to be able to say that. And I think that's what I didn't know, but that I have been learning and believing is like the easier it is for me to, to do something amazing the more valuable it is. And that's, I think, where I overlook it. And I notice you do sometimes too. Yeah, I often find myself, I just notice I fall into a habit of feeling like it should be harder sometimes when I'm getting paid really well for yes, something. This is too feeling easy. Feeling like I need, and I will, I mean, I will, even though I, even though I preach this and I know this and I'm, I'm pretty good at it, I still find myself when I'm getting paid more than I think is comfortable, I will find ways to spend extra time working on it, which doesn't add to the value of it, Great by point. the way. When you're getting paid more than you're used to, right? So if someone came along and paid us more than we've ever gotten paid, you'd probably snap out of your normal sort of thing of like doing what you do and like start scrambling to work more, right? Like if all mm -hmm. of a sudden we were getting paid 100K for one of our brand ups instead of 30, it's like, I would, I feel it right now, hypothetically. Like, mm -hmm. oh, 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 we got to do this one really good. We're going to do it better than all right. the other ones. It's like, no, it's going to be as good as all the ones. <laughs> yeah, as if we're not doing our yeah. best in the other ones. Yeah. Do you remember when I was networking? I was in BNI a long time ago when we were charging by the hour, probably charging $40 an hour at that point. And that woman charged $1,000 an hour. Yes. I think of her often. She, clearly she was making a point. Yep. She said, I charge $1,000 an hour. <laughs> it seemed just insane, which is funny because I do a lot of things where I get paid a lot more than $1,000 an hour at this point, and I just breezed by that. It's the um, phrase. That's what she did that was yeah. so smart and bold and gutsy and why it had such a sticky... I mean, it, I remember it offended me at first, too. So, like, I've gone on an emotional <laughs> roller coaster with just the – I never even saw her or heard her say it. You relayed it to me, and it had that much of an impact on me that someone stood up. I was like, wow, what a badass. <laughs> because I'm like, well, she can't suck at what she does. She might not. That was the thing. <laughs> yeah. Her website sucked. Right. She really – there was no – It was very confusing. Know. There was no information to know how good she was at what she did. But I was convinced she was great. Now, maybe yeah. she wasn't the best. And I was thinking this. I'm like, look, I'm sure she's not better than everybody. But she can't be bad. She cannot be bad at what she does. And I considered hiring her. Yeah, yeah. She did things with books. She was like a book coach. I think part of it, though, I, I distinctly remember part of it was that she would introduce you to people mm. in the book yep. world. Yep. Which – at this point, I'm like thousand dollars an hour. It's worth more than that. She if you can like hook someone up with deal, she was like selling you connections a little bit. Yeah, it's she a was good selling connections. No, it's a good deal. Right. So she makes a couple intros to a couple of agents who are important. That's what we rationalized. We're like, because we were trying to figure out how could she validate this price. We almost hired her just to find out. <laughs> and when we looked at it, her business and what she does for you, we realized that if if one call she got for you did anything that would always be worth way more than $1,000. And so she was kind of playing this sort of roulette game a little bit where it was like high risk reward thing where she can't promise you that her connections will, you have, they have to want whatever it is your book, right? 
So she was in a really great position. She's not like promising she can get it done for you, but she's promising she can get you in front of the people that can. And that's worth a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Right. And what I don't like about it is that she was still charging by the hour. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. But she technically she technically was. But I didn't see it that way. In fact, she actually that model helped bust me out of the, the per time because I could see that clearly, even though she was stating it by the hour, it was it was more of a symbolic charge. You know, it was more like charging for what I'm going to do for you. Like I'm going to make these calls are worth this amount. And she wanted you to know that she wasn't going to spend a ton of time on it. That it was, was, that's how I saw it. That it was really indicating that this is not going to take me very long, but the value there for you could be huge. And so to me, the sentence was sort of like doing that by using the hourly thing, by saying, oh, I charge $10,000 an hour. You're not saying you charge hourly. You're making a point about your value. And you're using the hourly sentence structure to deliver it. So the spin that we ended up taking on that was charging, quote, by the day. Because when we switched over from doing these big projects to doing the initial version of the brand up, which was a one day intensive, we were still charging hourly. We were just calling it a day because those first brand ups where it was $3,000 for a day, we really didn't do much prep work for it. So I don't you think really we did worked... any on the first few. I think right, that, we like... it was like sat down, like hot seat and just saw how it went. Well, we were also saying you get us for the day. So you yeah. get as much work as we do in a day and we're very fast. And it worked out in the beginning, but we were still, you could take 3,000 and divide it by eight hours and that would be what yeah. we were charging. Yeah. But over time, as we tried to make it better, and more effective and as we tried to raise the price we started and we tried to make it easier on us we started to slowly i remember the <laughs> yeah. first few times you you did a little bit of logo work ahead of time and you were like i'm not going to finish anything i'm just going to do a little bit of work so that when we start i'm already a little started. farther ahead and it morphed over the years of course many many times into we're not charging by the hour at all you guys have no idea how much time we do or don't spend on this, but we charge as if it's this one, two or three day intensive. But but what we're what we're delivering is not whatever we can get done. What we're delivering is actual value and deliverables. And that was the shift. You can't charge. I don't think when you're when you're doing something like tangible, like design of a website or you know, design of a logo. I don't think you can. That's a big part of it. I don't think you can just charge by the time. Um, no, these are huge things. You, I think that's the revo- one of the reasons we started doing it that way. There's well, so many parts. Right, but you you can charge by time up to a certain point. Right. So I've seen a lot of people do, you know, day rates. A lot oh, yeah. of people love to do, especially in the design world, I, I charge by the day rate, you get me for the day, and they say, you don't, you're not buying deliverables. You're not buying an end result. You're buying like my time for the day. And that's totally fine. And that's, you know, that can be a very profitable model to a point, but I don't think you can raise the rate of your day rate infinitely the way you can if you're selling value. And the value that we sell in the brand up is you will have this at the end, no matter what. That's a good point. I never thought of the timeline of it. That's where it is now. And it was the vehicle for us learning how to charge from value because you're right. At the beginning, it was they were buying a day of our time. And we weren't even actually promising what exactly they would leave with because we were very careful to say, look, you have us for the day. We're going to give you as much 
design work and branding work, logo, website as we can, but it's going to be up to you now. It's Everything's a totally different done thing almost. now. Almost, yeah. In fact, that's what I didn't notice is that at the beginning they were paying for our time, a high rate for our time, and they would get whatever they got. And then now it's transitioned into they're only buying the list of deliverables, the final product, the 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 whole brand, and they don't care how long we spend on it. They honestly don't really know how we do it. Nobody really knows how we do it. It's this. Right. It's all behind the scenes now. It's it's been. Six or seven years of perfecting this process behind the curtain. But yeah, behind the scenes, there's all sorts of stuff going on <laughs> in order to ensure that the client has a really positive experience. They they trust us from the beginning, and they're excited to come in and build this entire brand and leave with it at the end. And they expect it, so their expectations are managed. But the the way that we kind of present things, it's you know, it's a delicate dance, but the way that we do that only gets them more hyped about it so that they're excited at the end, like, wow, this is done and it's launched and, you know, I'm happy that I paid for this all up front before I even saw it. <laughs> you know what's yeah, you know what's coming to mind now too is how when we were doing like traditional agency branding projects and pitching for them and trying to land them. And remember how those would take at least three months or six months or the bigger ones could take nine months or a year. The funny part is is that all that time, it's not like the client wants to wait six months for their brand. The six months is for us us as the agency to get the work approved by these people, right? So any agency or, or graphic designer listening knows he doesn't need three months to make a logo or a website. It's the process of dealing with the back yeah. and forth of the client. And the, here's the weird part. The client doesn't want to wait three months. They want their logo or website tomorrow. So the way that I remember it is twofold. One, and I actually saw this with somebody recently that reminded me of this because I recognized it. I was talking to her about her process and, you know, I was asking her, okay, so what's the first step? How long does that take for you to do? And she would say, oh, it takes me like three or four hours. And I said, and how long do you give the client? Like, when do you tell the client you'll get it? And she said about a week. And then I said, okay, what's the next step? Okay. How long does that take? Okay. When do you say the client? She says about a week. And she said, everything's a week. I always just tell a client you'll have it in a week. And I said, is that because you just don't have any sort of structure for your business and you don't know when you're going to do things and you feel like giving yourself a week is giving yourself enough of a buffer. And that's how I remember it. And she, you know, laughed. She was like, yep, that's pretty much why. Because that's how I remember it too. I remember putting these long timelines together and everything was just a week, a week, a week. Okay. First I'll give you a logo. Then you have a week to give me feedback. Then I have a week to do revisions. Then you have a week. And I, and I, part of drawing it out was also I'm charging you a lot of money, so this is gonna be a six month process so that you feel like you're getting your money's worth. So that's two parts. Not thinking that it was okay to do it more quickly, even though the client wants to do it quickly and you wanna do it quickly, and not having any sort of structure in your process or business and how you run when you do work that you don't know how to, you don't wanna promise something without enough time, so you just always give yourself a week. It's the fallacy of the week, as if the week is always going to be enough time to do whatever. Do you think it's due next Wednesday and then it's uh, Wednesday afternoon and you're like, yeah, I'm doing it. It'll be done. And it's like, mm, no. All the extra time <laughs> I've ever wrangled for myself in, in projects and freelance has never like helped, you know, as a young creative, like, oh, just give me more time and it'll be amazing. I remember thinking like, God, I don't have enough time to make this awesome. They always need it tomorrow. Like, give me a, a week or two to work on it. I think I had this idea, and I think my creative friends did too, that it's like, we believe that like the longer you let us work on something, like the better it'll be. Like a logo I make in an hour could never be as good as a logo I make in a hundred hours. 
they even thought that way in the agencies, Pia. Remember how much I would complain about how the, 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 the best way to be a great boss at an ad agency was just to say, go do it again. Go do it again. You were never going to be having done your job well as a, a creative director by going, yes, that's the one, the end. That's what everyone imagined it was. Like, oh, there's the idea. Ta-da, we found it. Great. No, they literally beat every idea to pulp <laughs> until it can't exist. And then they go backwards about three months and pick one up that was back there. I feel like part of that is the, like the Steve Jobs. <laughs> yeah. Do it again. Uh, do it better. Yeah. Do it faster. Yeah. Yeah, totally. He's like heroic Steve Jobs just barking at everybody yeah. saying, yeah, like do the impossible. I think it's just a whole top down sort of culture mentality. Yeah. And I think it's pretty American too. this this very just like like labor, you know, laboring. Well, and there's a couple of reasons that it was really ingrained into us. One is that you came from the agency world and that's what you saw in the in the short amount of time that you were there. And then I grew up in New York City. That's just how it is here. <laughs> right, <that's a laughs> right? I culture, mean, normal culture. the culture is work hard, play hard, be intense. And so the two of us just together, that's just what we did from the beginning. And I've always been like a hustler, hard worker. So that's what we did. And it took us a long time to back out of that and start to see a different side. Another thing that caused me to charge for time was how much I liked what I was doing. So after leaving an agency where they do billable hours and that's the only business model I had seen and then being like a freelance graphic designer, that was the way I would charge. It's like someone saying, you can do this thing you love for the next 20 hours for not that great money or you could sit there and not do it at all for no money. So that's why I would take mm. like any job I could get. It was like, well, I could get $200 working 100 hours on this logo that I'm going to enjoy making because it's a cool project. Or I could say, tell them a higher price and they might say no, and then I'm going to sit here and not design a logo and I'm not going to get paid. So the, the agency put the idea in there, but then I perpetuated it with my own love of, of loving to do these things. So I would take anything that anyone had at any price. And I see that a lot. So I'm curious, if you don't do the 20 hour or the 100 hour logo project for $200, it doesn't stop you from doing creative things. In fact, it gives you a hundred hours to do your own creative Well, which work. doesn't make any money. So like all creatives, we can always be creating something for zero dollars at any moment. And we've, we have been and are all the time. So mm -hmm. that's, not, that's not enticing. It's not like, oh, if I don't do this, I can keep doing my own drawings. It's like, no, you're, you'd rather be doing designs that you do want to do. So like a cool logo for a fashion company that I want to do. It's something I want. That's why they have the leverage. It's like, mm -hmm. I want that job. <laughs> I don't right. feel better off not having to do it as someone who was following my passion as a way to make a living. Like I wasn't thinking strategically. And that's what's crazy. You would think that if I really want to do this thing I love for a living, that I need to be good at doing it for money. Like you said, yes, do some projects to get your portfolio, do some to get it going, do passion ones for less to, to do them so you can add them to the portfolio. But you'll never grow out of that if you're thinking in the way I was thinking. If like I never would have evolved past that without looking at it like a business and then starting to treat it a little bit like a business, which I think a lot of creatives are averse to as well. Like it's going to like mess up the creativity. Yeah. And then part of that, as you mentioned before, is, oh, it's really fun if you're just designing all the time and okay, I'm not getting paid enough. But the second half of any project 
when you're operating like this is painful and it's not fun design it's annoying revisions no, no in fact <laughs> i can hear it like oh that sounds pretty good because in theory it, it is good but once you're living that your clients aren't appreciative they're changing your stuff so that it's not even what you like or want you have no process to be making sure they don't make these changes so you just have to do whatever they say so that's what started happening to me mm -hmm. i wouldn't have been open to changing anything it was the fact that that wasn't fun it wasn't really working it was just so obvious that i couldn't do that for very long and i didn't like right. doing it now that we're bringing it up I, remembering just all the stress that came with that right the stress of clients not liking too. this the stress of getting emails at all hours of the night and weekend yep. the more clients i had the more potential a bomb emails i could receive at any moment with urgent in all caps in the in the subject line right like the more work oh. i had floating out waiting so on stressful. feedback from like the less yeah the less relaxed i could be because there was just this looming like you're gonna have to work for another month or no it's okay i like it which was the rarity but <laughs> it was just we couldn't get away from it it was no, you're right. And it, it was stressful, too. It's like, we have to go do this before we go do what we are here to do. Right. There was always this, there was always looming mm -hmm. uncertainty. And, and it felt... I then started to resent doing the work. I then started to resent every edit that the client gives me. I start to resent the client, right? And, and, and that sucks, right? You want... Right. You know they need what you do. You're trying to give them what they do. It's always a mystery and, and like disheartening when the client isn't like loving what you're doing and you're not like solving their problem for them. Like both people want that to be the case. Right. And things are so different now. I mean, it's not even in the same world. Now, here's the thing. You have gotten better, but I don't know that your creative work is so much better. It's evolved with the t yeah, changing times. It's not like times. the designs now are better designs like, than the ones two years ago. It's yeah. Like in that. fact, you, you did a lot of hand-done stuff back then. You still do hand-done stuff when it's appropriate, but it's everything around your design that's gotten much better. Your processes and I mean, I don't know what you're doing back there. Well, what if are you doing? I may, yeah, I'm applying a lot of your business strategies to my creative processes because now that there's, I don't have to prove anything through how I do the work. Right, So it's not like, oh, I have to do it my way to make it mine or to make it good. I've been using things like processes. So where I say, this is how I start making the logo. Then I do this phase that takes about this long. And I kind of stick to those things because they help me be creative. They don't box me in anymore. So yeah, I would say that's, that's what's changed. Like if I'm better at something, it's how organized I am with designs, how I present them. Like you could probably, that's an easy one to spot. The way I show work to a client now, the way I talk or the way I don't talk, <laughs> things like things like that. Like that's something that I know was very hard for me as a designer was like explaining my work, sort of making sure there's a brief, a creative brief and that, that I'm fulfilling it and that they're aware of what that brief is and things like that that make projects work. Yeah, I think we went through some growing pains where we at first we just kind of ignored that whole piece of what the agencies do right like the agencies do a whole song and dance to show work and we ignored that because we thought it was bullshit but then we started doing it but it was i think we didn't want to do it because we didn't understand what it was there for and then we slowly evolved into doing our version of it out of necessity and because we actually had a purpose for it and we saw how these steps actually got us what 
we wanted and what the client wanted. And so because it was born out of that, yeah, because I remember when we first started doing mood boards, it was like mood boards seemed like such a joke before because it was like clients don't understand what these mood boards are. And then we finally did them because we understood how they got the client on board to get them to say yes to the work. Totally. That's a good example. Like like with logos, we'll show logos like on a mocked up website as part of the review process instead of just like on white, here's a logo. Well, those those first couple of years, we sent logos just in a PDF. Yep. We just All emailed together. a PDF. They weren't even on single 10, pages. 15 logos. Yeah, they weren't even singled out on their own page, I don't think. At I think first. it was like a whole sheet. Yeah, like my earliest logos were like three sheets with like 10 logos a Yeah, it's like, what do you like? Yeah, pick what I thought. Cool. Oh, yeah, I thought here's tons of great ones. Pick whatever you want. And, and that's one of the things I learned is that the value goes down. Here's all these awesome logos. Well, now all of them are less awesome because there are, there's tons of them to pick from. I mean, funny things like that. Yeah, like where and if you so someone, begins. Yeah, if you give a client tons of great stuff, that's the standard, and they're still going to have to pick. So like Because they don't know what's good. <laughs> right. Because they just have opinions. Well, this is a whole other thing, and we won't go into it. But <laughs> But the point is the work itself was very good back then. And it's all the things around the work that have evolved. And of course, all the things that have evolved in our business, plus the authority we've built. But that's, it's really, the authority is how they come in, but it's the experience that they have that has changed the way your relationship with the creative work and how the, the client has a relationship with the creative work. And yeah. it's just, it's like, it's everything around it that matters more. That's and perfect. what sucks is that, even hearing you talk about it right now, and so many creatives that I know, they're only focused on the creative work that's in the very middle, and they're not focused on any of the things around it that are the most important parts to getting your creative work, you know, approved. Absolutely. I mean, two things about what you're saying. I agree so much is that, like, creatives are great at what they do, and they, I was great at designing. That's all I wanted to do, right? I don't want to do the other parts, but those Doing those other parts and all the things around it, that's what made me enjoy graphic design more. That's what made me able to do it more. That's what made me able to do it the way I imagined it when I thought to myself I want to do it. Like the types of projects you imagined would be fun to do. I get more of those because of all the non-design work that I did around it with you that we did together. And so that's that's what I would say to any creative that's like a me from 10 years ago. It's like... You asked the great question of me of what stopped me back then from like working on these other parts of a business instead of just the service itself, the part I was good at and that I liked, my, my skill, is because I didn't want to. It's that simple. I didn't believe also, and this might be the difference maker for anyone who's in that same position I was in, that, that it's like it feels like it's going to be focusing on the wrong thing and that you won't be doing what you love, and that you won't get to do what you love, and it's the opposite. If you only focus on what you like to do, you won't get to do much of it, you won't get to do it for very long, and you won't like the things of it that you get to do. <laughs> but you don't, you don't know what I mean? I saw your <laughs> expression. I, I know what you're getting at, but I don't know. Yeah. No, like my thought thinking was if I pour myself into my design, my art, my creativity, it will blossom and my business, I'll have a business that does, I'll be successful because of it. I'll get the cool jobs, I'll get paid a lot and I'll get to do it a lot. And that's not how it works at all. That's like a fame game, like getting discovered as a celebrity. It's like, no, if you get good at everything else, delivering on time, doing what you say, working with the client, like having processes, how you charge, like how you present the work, all the other parts, 
if you do all that, all the non-passion part, you then are more likely and will get the projects that you want. You'll get to do more of what you do love. All the things that were the reasons I didn't want to work on it as a business were actually holding me back from the, what I wanted that work to be right. and what I did it for. That would have been hard to explain to you. It would have. If I was hearing myself say this right now, what would I think? Like, yeah, right. I just didn't believe it. Or I didn't care. I was like, I'd just rather spend an hour designing than an hour business building, whatever that means. And that might be something people need to check. It's like, if, if I hadn't met you, I often say that, like, it's not like I would have figured this out. So right. I ran into you and you, that's why I, the story is so significant to me that I shared of like just meeting a person that had a, a vision of using a business rather than like just being able to do it. Well, like I said, I didn't have that vision necessarily in the very no, but beginning, you do about but everything. over time. I'm just like, I'm going to make, you said it about the marriage thing. That's what I mean is that it's the way you see the world. It's not necessarily your plan in your mind that you're executing. It's just the way Pia approaches things. And that's what I love. It's like, I'm going to do this my way, <laughs> the my way thing. Like marriage is going to be what we do. This business is going to do what we want it to do. If you want to get these jobs with that business, let's find out how to do that. Not just keep wonder, waiting for it to happen. Yeah. Yes. I think that's what I was doing is I was waiting for stuff to happen. I was doing things the way I saw them being done. And as soon as someone like you says, you know, there's, there are other ways. You didn't even have the other way. Like you said, you didn't know the other way. You just said, there's got to be better ways. Uh, I'm like, yeah, there it does. And then I go along on that that journey with you. And I think that's what everyone who runs into you as a business coach or personality, some similar version of like, oh, I want to go the way she's going, the way she's looking at stuff. Because I was, and a lot of us get trapped sort of in just like what everyone else is doing and just doing it that same way. Cause it, we think that's why it's working for other people. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, just a natural, I don't know where it came from, but it's just a different way of looking at any situation. Okay, wait, what do I want this to be? Yeah, okay. fresh eyes. Well, how do I figure out how to make that happen? You okay, well, let's do it. That's what yes. you do. You go, I want this, I want X. And then you go, how can a business help me get there? You did the same thing with our Kickstarter project. You didn't say, let's have a Kickstarter to do blank. You said, let's have a Kickstarter to get some money. What do we want some money for? You know, and like worked backwards from using the thing to then get you something you want instead of what I think most people do is like, I want something, so I'm going to use the Kickstarter to get it. Or I want to be a designer, so I'm going to be a designer as a business when really I needed a business to be able to be a designer. <laughs> right. I mean, it sounds just semantic, but it's Well, hard. and you needed a business to be an artist. Same thing. Artists can paint every day, but if you don't sell any, you're not going to be able to keep doing that for very long. So you need something else as a vehicle, a business or, or anything, a product or whatever you sell or, or perpetuate your ability to survive so you can keep doing the thing. Well, so we built this business. We had this three-year run where we made all the mistakes. We tried to do the agency. We learned a lot of these lessons. We ended up in debt. Everyone's heard the story. It's in my book. And then we switched to the brand up model. That worked infinitely better right? We niched down, we did something we loved, we got this process, we created this whole structure around the creative work, and it made the creative work shine, and it made it so much easier to sell. And then it was selling like hotcakes. And that's when we said, Oh, great, we got let's what we wanted. Let's do something. <laughs> and we've kind of been doing that ever since. Well, I mean, can I say how I saw it? What yeah. happens is, is that you might feel it as boredom, or that's the way you described it, uh, the way I heard it just now. But really, what happens is, is that once something works that we've worked on, 
you look for the way to stretch it more. And I love that. And I love you for that because you're doing the same thing that, okay, I got a graphic design job. For me, I got a graphic design job. I'm getting paid 20 an hour. The end. I did it. I'm getting paid to do what I like to do. You see? If, for me, I, I'm done at that moment. But you in that moment say, okay, how could you get paid more for that? Or what if you could get cooler projects? Or you're always looking at, well, what's the next thing you could do now that you've got this stabilized, now that you got your feet on this foundation? So even though you might experience this like boredom or onto the next, it's not boredom. You, it's just that you've okay. solved the puzzle. You've yeah, solved the, the puzzle. So done. what's exactly. next? Then there's for you. It's onto the next. And I'm saying me and I believe all of your audience appreciates that someone does that because I know for myself I don't. I don't go. Oh, great! Now I have what I want. Like, how could I have more of what I want? Like, I I just settle into it, and I think that's what ends up happening is that when you're not looking a little bit to something else ahead. Anything that you're doing isn't going to like forever provide all the things you want it to, right? So even if I did love working graphic design jobs for 20 an hour all the time, how long would I like doing that for, right? 10 years, 20 years, 30 years? At what point am I like, I wish I was getting paid more than 20 an hour or I'm so sick of doing these logos for these types of people or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Like, And then I'd be sitting there with nowhere to go or no way to do it. Yeah. Right, because you're stuck. Because until you've created, right? Because we more. get on these tracks, yeah, and just go all the way down it, and then never look around. Like I like the way you said it, like just looking at it differently, or like taking a fresh look at it. Well, and the more structures you put in place, and the more uh, control you have over your income and your business and how you run your life and your career, the more opportunities you have. Because that's kind of why we were able to say, okay, what's next? You know, I, I. I carry this flag often. People say, oh, I, I'm struggling, so I need a passive income product. And I tell them, you know, passive income products are not a quick fix. They take a long time. Like, they take a lot of energy and money because you need to live while you're doing all of this work. And there's kind of like a slow grow in the beginning. And they, yes, they're scalable, but they're not, they're not quickly something you can pop out and scale easily. And so I'm saying that because that was the next thing that we did, right? We, this, these brand ups were going so well. We did them for like a year nonstop. We made a ton of money and then we said, okay, cool. Let's do the, let's build the product. And that's when we built the first iteration of the Badass Your Business Bootcamp. But we were able to do that because we had money and time. And I think that I actually disagree with you. I think a lot of people that I work with have lots of things they want to do. They want to work on the passive income product and they want to work on their business and they've got 10 other ideas that they want to work on. And what I just caution them to do is one at a time, you know, give all of your energy to this business first, get the business humming, get it profitable, create time and space for yourself, then use that time and space to do the next thing. But if you try to do five, six things at once, none of them are going to do well. And that's what I think a lot of creative people are doing. They're just doing five or six things at a time, or they're trying to get they're trying all these different ideas and then they're wondering why none of them are working. Well, none of them are working because none of them are getting your full attention. Well, here's what I'd say too. Like when you say that, the feeling I get is as a creative, when I want to work on my business, I'm doing it to solve a problem, which is I don't have enough money. And so none of that's coming from the right motivation for a creative person. As a creative, the part that motivated me the most was seeing how this work makes me more able to do the thing that I'm passionate about. And that's where you got me. What switched in me was when I started seeing it as or believed that it's like, no, this is actually, this is giving me what I want, not working more on the design. The design is the commodity now. Now the design is 
what people are buying. But like, no matter how much better I get at that, I know I won't be able to sell more of it because of that. Like people don't see it on the face of it and know how good you are. That's not how it works, even though it seems like it ought to be. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where it got me. You said, you know, you're creative, you're doing what you like. Like, what's the problem? There is no problem unless you think there's a problem. And usually <laughs> the problem is that you have other things you also want. And, you know, I told somebody this recently and I hadn't really realized it myself, but you and I, we did a, we did a hundred K our first year. That sounds really on fancy. Sweat. On sweat. Yeah, on, yeah. on freaking sweat. First of all, there's two of us. So two of us working all the time. Of course, we made $100,000. Yeah, it it's not, it's not that much money. money. It's yeah. very For little two money. people working 24 you know, hours a day. <laughs> if you, I forget what the number, I can't do them off the top of my head, but you know, getting paid $40 an hour, Steve working all the time, me working all the time, like pounding the pavement at these networking events, you know, picking up $1,000 projects here and there. $100,000 is $8,333 a month. I mean, you know, to get $8,000 worth of projects when you're literally running around New York City all day, every day, is not that hard because you're not charging enough and there's enough people who need, you know, low paid graphic design work. So I say that because I know it's New York City, so it's it's different. And also money's a little relative because it's so expensive to live here. That's why it wasn't that exciting when we made that money because it didn't feel like a lot. But I say that because it's it's not just about making the money or getting the clients. Like that is, if you work hard enough, it, you can do that. It's about doing it in a way where there's ease, where you have control, where you're not beholden to the 6 a.m. networking meetings, which is how I got that $100,000 worth of, of work. It was because I was getting up at god-awful times in the middle of winter and getting on the subway, and I was not stopping because I was, frankly, terrified not to make enough money to live. So that was enough, the fear of not getting those clients. And I had no idea where they were going to come from ever, so I just had to be everywhere all the time. And that's something that, as nice as it was that we were finally not going into other people's offices and we were finally able to do it for ourselves, it was like, that got old really fast. And I could not have sustained that for longer than, I mean, I really stopped networking a year, year and a half. That was it. I couldn't do it anymore. Looking back on them, I'm glad that we were always like developing the business, right? So remember we were working on our own brand for a long time. We came up with a cool brand. Like we decided we need to have a real brand. That has helped us forever. The brand keeps helping us today. This, this tagline and this name and this whole attitude, it might be the whole reason we get business. Like you said, once we were humming on the service, we developed a passive income product and left money on the table to have time to work on that passive income product. If you had spent that, that time doing more networking, more sales calls, more pounding the pavement, we wouldn't be better off, right? The stuff around the business, the investing in the like business growth stuff, that's time worth spending even when you have all the time in the world to work on your client's work. Right. And Mm -hmm. so that's what I'd say to my former self that was resistant to like business development ideas would just be like, no, these these are the things that will get you all the things you're imagining, all the things that you want out of this job, this graphic design business or, or gig or whatever you're calling it come from working on those things, not from working on the designs. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great point. Yeah, I think creating that structure is how we were able to build a business that was getting us so many clients and making us so much money. I mean, I really think we could have stopped there. It's not like passive income is the next obvious step. It's something a lot of people want. I'm just saying you have to wait 
until your business is in a place to support that kind of growth. But right, like success to me is more free time. Right. Anyone who does any job, what do you really want? You want to do the best, you want the choice projects and clients of that job. You want to be appreciated for doing that job. You want to be able to pick which one of those jobs you do and how often you do them. I mean, that's the dream. It's just right. a, a hard thing to dare to say out loud that you want the best projects to work on when you want, that you want to say no to a client if you don't like them and you want to charge what you want to charge. It's like, that's the dream. And I believe that anybody can have that dream. You just have to decide that that's what you want and you have to be willing to do the things that are necessary to get it. You don't get to be uh, choosy about your clients and get paid premium prices if all you're doing is focusing on design and you don't learn anything about business yeah, totally. <laughs> and so branding another, and marketing. Art's another good, uh, good parallel, again, where it's like you can get great at painting, better every year. It's like it's obvious to see that that's not what's going to sell the paintings. I mean, I'm sure some people still believe that things sell because of how good they are objectively. But people who sell things like us and the people who listen to this know that people who buy things, even from you, yourself, don't know really what they're getting until they buy it. I mean, when, until I open the package or until I sit down in the chair and do the service, like, I don't know what's going to happen, really. So it's, it's always a bit of, of faith, and that's why branding and marketing are so important, because you really, that's your pitch. <laughs> and then will the experience match up with it later? So you could pitch someone, and then if it, the experience is terrible, it doesn't matter how good your brand is. <laughs> right. I mean, it's a given. Yeah. The great work is a given. Yeah, exactly. That's what we say to everyone. It's like, no, my work will be, my work's better than other, like when people, when branding people tell us, yeah. they don't anymore, but it used to be people would say, well, we're better than the competitors. And we say, no one can tell. How do they, how can they tell? Well, because we're saying we are. It's like, that's not proof. <laughs> well, it's also in the eye of the beholder. I mean, You're some right. people don't understand, a lot of people, whatever your craft is, people don't understand what is good or bad necessarily. I mean, we've seen some people come to us, show, you know, because we ask our clients, what do you like? Actually, usually their tastes are very aesthetically in line with ours. But, you know, it used to be that when we asked people what they liked, some people would send us some god awful stuff and, and be like, yeah, I really like, I think this is really fun. And we'd be like, oh, this is terrible. So, you know, <laughs> taste is all relative. You said it was in the eye of the beholder. It really is. Like, that's why the process around how you present is so important. And that's why you and I are, are even looking at launching a, a service for that. Because if your client doesn't like it, it's not good. And even if it is good, what's the difference that it's good if the client won't accept it, right? Like you said, it's not really, is it good or bad? It's, does this person, did they, you deliver whatever they were expecting or hoping for or, you know, are they impressed? And they might not even know what to be impressed by or what they're expecting. And that's also your job. That's what I've learned. Like I wasn't doing any of that as a freelance graphic designer. And you and I sort of learned that together because you didn't know about branding or design either when you started helping me sell and manage my, my nothing, freelance work. Nothing. No. So together we started to understand that that presentation is is not everything, but it's really just as important as whatever you're presenting. It's equally important. They're they're symbiotically tied together. Which is also why we can tell, right? Anybody something that you know a lot about, you have a much greater appreciation for it. If you know nothing about a topic, you're going to have a hard time understanding why oh. this. Yeah. If you can do a good job explaining why you did what you did as it relates to what they're trying to do, then of course they're going to like it. When we have a good explanation. It's a for yes why, every time. Yes. It's when, an when easy before, yes. I know that if you and me have our story prepared well, like if it makes sense, if it's like they asked for this and that's why I did this because it does that, the first thing they asked for. If that little loop is closed and we can present it 
clearly, then I'm confident to go in and present. And well, we've done we, it hundreds of times. Yeah, I mean, but until we have, we never have had that, some... until we have that little, I wouldn't be confident presenting to the client. We should teach this. And Let's that, do it. And that might just be coming in 2021. Look out. Look out, worlds. If How to brand up. I'm trying to wrap it up because I got to go. <laughs> okay, wrap it up. Okay. Well, thank you for interviewing me. I honestly feel honored to have been a guest. I don't think it's a given that the uh, hubby gets and the partner is a guest. I hope we went in deep enough into, uh, worst of all, there's so much more to say, but maybe we'll, we'll have you back someday. There is, but I like the stuff we talked about, which is the stuff that mattered the most to me or changed my life the most. I think that's that's good stuff. Okay, good. Well, that's what we talked about. I, I want to say more about I gotta it. Go. <laughs> no, I want to say more. I'm cutting you off. <laughs> For more information about our company and how we sell these intensive services, you can check out worstofalldesign.com. We lay out the packages and prices right there on the site. So no need for guessing. And to follow Steve's art, go to stevewalsterval.com or follow him on Instagram. The links to all of this are in the show notes. Taking inspiration from today's conversation with Steve, I want to encourage you to look at some of the habits or ways of being in your life, your business, and your creative life and ask yourself if they really are still serving you. I see so many creatives resist embracing the business part because they think that it's somehow going to encroach on their creative process or even their identity as a creative person or as an artist. But I hope that Steve's story sheds some light on a totally different way of looking at it. By opening up to the business and marketing parts of the creative work, Steve is now able to do so much more of what he loves and be so much freer with his creative work. He designs entire brands and clients barely give any edits every single time. That's the dream for most graphic designers, isn't it? That's the dream for most creatives. Well, he's able to do that because we built a business and a structure over years that guarantees that that will happen. And it's all housed in our brand up method. And on that note, we have been talking and we are thinking about teaching this method to other small design and branding shops sometime really soon. Shops who want to operate a business just like ours, full of flexibility and freedom where you are never beholden to a client past the project, where you're never getting these emails on nights and weekends, where you get to spend the majority of your time and energy doing what you do best and where your work is taken basically without question. If this sounds interesting to you and you want to hear more about it, simply email me, pia at piasilva.com, and put in the subject line, brand up. And I will make sure that you are on the short list if and when we do decide to spill the beans on this glorious process that we've built over many, many years and a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. I wish you the happiest new year. I hope that 2021 brings you everything you hope for and more. And I hope that this is the year that you decide to step up and show your business who's boss. <laughs>